We're doing it because we have to explore, because we are curious, because we want to go find out. But a child doesn't go, I am a particular type of child because I'm curious. I'm just a child and I'm curious. <laughs> That's yeah, what period. I do. <laughs> yeah. And you apply that curiosity to the things that you want to apply it to. Hello, all my variously talented creative friends. Thank you for joining me on the Sage Arts Podcast. This is Sage, and I am not solo today. I'm in the studio with Brett. I brought Brett in. We're just jumping right in. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm not giving him any time to think. Oh, what's what's going to happen? What are we going to say? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because it's going to be, really be Brett-focused today. Well, I don't like it to be on me, but... I've trapped you. But I secretly do. I've no, trapped you in this room, and you're, like, stuck in that corner, and you can't get past I me. I know, and I have the dog blocking me, too. <laughs> and Ember's decided she's going to be part of this today, too. So we're in here, and I really thought this would be a particularly good subject matter for Brett to speak to, because of all the people I know, I would say you are the most focused creatively like you're so dedicated to your art form and most people I know have multiple art forms various materials they work in that kind of thing and for some people that is kind of troubling like there's this whole thing about like you should be a master of one thing and I always tell people that I'm a, a Jill of all trades and a master of none because I do so many different things and it doesn't feel like I necessarily get one thing down really, really well. I mean, there are some things like, you know, teaching and stuff I feel like I do really well and writing about things that I'm teaching. But in terms of art, this question has come up a couple times just recently about whether an artist should be focused on one medium or one genre or one style or whatnot and get just really, really good at that one thing if that is relevant or not. And I think you have a really interesting point of view on this because, yes, you have and no, you have not been both focused on uh -huh. something, had a very particular thing and met, really mastered it. Mm. And yet it's not the only thing that you do. So I thought we could True. talk well, through that. And I'll probably interview you more like I'm interviewing somebody like a guest. You're not a guest. You live here. I'm but a guest <laughs> in my own house. This is wonderful. <laughs> so... In any case, before we get started on the subject matter, I just want a quick shout out to a few people. Shout outs today go to uh, Gina Gonzalez and Teresa Zarenner. Thank you so much, both of you, for the coffees or the coffee and tea <laughs> that you bought me. I really needed it this week. It was really kind of crazy. And to all the people who wrote little comments back about the contrast episode, I really appreciate that. Mostly it was positive. You guys sound like you're looking forward to more design lessons. But yes, uh, comments, some suggested keeping it a little bit shorter. Because it is hard. This is an audio medium and we're talking about visual mediums. And that was a particularly big concept for that. But also asking about the Zoom meetings that I talked about. And I am working on that. I'd hope to have it this month, but we have some crazy family stuff going on. All good stuff. Nothing bad. That just took up all my time. So we're looking at July. If you want to be updated when those things are available, do please get on the newsletter list. I just send out a really short one on Sunday mornings. That's it. I don't use it for anything else. And you can get on that list by going to thesagearts.com, look for the news and notices button and sign up for that there. And then if you want to support me monetarily, like Gina and Teresa, you can do so also on that homepage of thesagearts.com. Just scroll down to where you find the buy me a coffee and PayPal donation buttons. I really appreciate the support. Thank you for giving back. And if you just want to give me comments, you can do that again on thesagearts.com. But the contact page, 
You can also comment on Facebook or Instagram. Just go to the Sage Arts podcast pages and throw me a message or say something in the post. I'm doing a lot more reels now. So go to Instagram for those. I'm reposting them on Facebook as well. And those will explain more about the concepts in design that I'll be talking about with images. So <laughs> that'll help. Any case, follow on Instagram and Facebook and then also follow any podcast player. Hit the little follow button. And if you want, I am soliciting reviews now as well, because I think you have enough to make comments about good, bad, or otherwise. I love to hear it all. Thank you so much for all of your support. Okay, so let's get on to this. So I guess the questions really are, do you as an artist, my listeners, focus on just one medium or one genre of work and really, really stick to that and master it? Or do you have a lot of different interests and have a hard time focusing? And have you found that to be difficult or detrimental or advantageous for you? And that's what we're going to try to explore and hopefully get some answers in a general sense about, you know, I mean, for each of us, it's going to be different, like whether that serves us or not to be focused or to have multiple areas of interest. But think about that as we're discussing and we're going to talk through Brett's particular journey of focus and branching out. Yeah, I guess as you're talking, it's interesting to me that, you know, being an artist is, is to me anyway, is a, is a big part of, uh, you have to be curious, you know, right. you're a curious person. So when you're curious, like you're a very curious person, you I want to know so how curious. everything works. You want to know who invented it and when, and you'll remember all of these things. It's incredible. I won't remember all these. You think so I remember all these things? Well. Because I remember like a, a chunk of things and then I just... Uh, and the, never the things the that you care about, you remember, yeah. right? Well, yeah, I think that's true. But you you remember, too. Well, well, the things I care about, yeah, yeah. but it's more narrow. <laughs> I don't care about much. Focused. Yeah, <laughs> is what it comes down to. I'm highly dysfunctional. About... Just full disclaimer right now. Is, no, I'm kidding. Well, I mean, you know, we all have our issues, right? Right. But, but it's, it's the curiosity that, that you have that's an inspiration to me because you, you know a, a lot about a lot of different things. Yeah. And I know stuff, of course. I'm not going to oh, yeah. say I don't. But um <laughs> But, you know, I'm very highly focused in, in one area, and that's how I want to, you know, engage my creativity, you know, as a main focus. And then all my other stuff that I love to do is is more like my outlet. Yeah, so it's you actually my treat, freedom, you know. Yeah, you treat your focus and your other work very differently. Yeah. But why don't we get some background as to what you do and why? Because we've never really talked about your whole artistic journey. When did you first start making art. Do you remember the time when you first did something and thought, I'm going to make something of my own. I'm going to make a piece of art. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many times like that when I was a kid in like grammar school, you know, just when I would draw something, it always felt like that was for me. That's yeah. what I wanted to be doing. Like that was important. I put a lot of value every time they put watercolors in front of us or uh, had a, an art project. I would just do whatever I wanted and I felt very good about myself. Yeah. So you've done this since you were really young, and you had a focus from a very young age. Yeah, I guess I did. I watched a lot of TV, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, animation cartoons are a big part of my life, you know. So I'd watch old Warner Brothers cartoons and anything Disney, of course, all the the big stuff that they showed on TV, and and my dad had a huge interest in it too, so we would, you know, share that and I would always just go back and draw cartoons. I'd write comics and stories and yeah. things like that. Express myself, you know, sometimes like 
you know, frustrations would come through or speculations, <laughs> like those, you know. Yeah. Those notes you left your parents. Yeah. I have we some have crazy this notes. whole view and you did the one that we have hanging up. Yeah. I had a fight with my brother about <laughs> who gets to put their foot on the bench while we watch TV, you know. And you had a little footrest. You had a little footrest thing. It's just the dumbest little thing, but this is what kids do. You know, I'm sitting there. And it was my turn for the bench, and I thought i that's what I thought was the case. You know, my brother was like, no, it was his turn. So he took the bench, and we just got in a, a squabble about it, you know. Oh, we also fought about the, um, you know, who got the remote control. Yeah. And those two things. So, yeah. And this one day you had, you were really upset about oh, it. You yeah, decided yeah, I, to yeah. write it all down. Well, Because your, par- your parents were off doing their antiquing. And, yeah. And, we, well, and, I always wrote them notes when, and I always oh, draw did? little okay. cartoons. Yeah. yeah if, and there's... And you're how old when this? It's like, I don't know, maybe seven? Yeah, you were young. Um, yeah. So I, if, you know, if someone called or, you know, I had to leave a note uh, for my parents or something happened with my brother, I'd always <laughs> write like, oh, well, it was, you know, Ed did this and did that, blah, blah, blah. And I draw little cartoons. And, yeah, there's um, like cartoons all over I it. I think my, my parents like mostly laughed, I, I think. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't like a heavy it's situation. Hilarious. Yeah. Your mom gave me a couple of those. Well, I guess there were, I guess it was the same incident, and there's a two pager. Yeah. And there's cartoons all over it, and he would say <laughs> something, and like, like you got mad, and so there's an angry face. And yeah, then, I put like devil horns on the on the when I was mad on like the yeah. person who's being mean, you know. And there's random ducks. <laughs> it's also dr- dumb. Ducks yeah. just drawn. Yeah. <laughs> just this, uh, you know, this inclination to just do a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so you've been drawing cartoons since you were very young. And it was a yeah. that was a focus. That that was that pretty was, much what you stuck with. And then when I met you when we were what, like 15, 16 or something like that, mm-hmm. you were always drawing cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> Just like now. <laughs> You're yeah. always drawing and it was always cartoons. And you were very, very focused on that. It was what I was exposed to. You know, I, I did watch a lot of cartoons on TV and it became part of my DNA, you know. Do you know why when you were younger, you didn't expand into other mediums? You're probably exposed to all kinds of mediums and different types of drawing and painting. And I mean, why didn't you have another focus? It took until I was, I think, in 10th grade. I talked to someone about animation and they said, well, if you want to learn, you do figure drawing, you learn movement, you know, how to put movement into your drawing. So figure drawing is all about that and learning how to draw well and drawing from life instead of copying someone else's kind of drawing, which is, you know. Someone else's animation. Someone else's, you know, drawing style or the principles of it. You want to learn how to draw from life first is what I learned at a young age. And I saw the value in that. Yeah. Because it hones your eye. Instead of being about style, it teaches you to see. It teaches you to see. But with some expression, there's always had to be an expression. Yeah. So I would love to bring the paints out and charcoals. And it was just a playground of like, you know, whatever. They're just tools, you know, you know, different kinds of mediums. So my first figure drawing class was in 10th grade. And the fun part was I didn't know there would be a naked woman involved. (laughs) And when the robe came off, I was like, oh, this is happening. And I was pretty, pretty, uh, I I kept a straight face, of of course. And I actually got right into the groove and I saw it as art. So that was probably your first like foray beyond animation in a serious sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I I did it in order to learn animation, but it was then still I ended for up animation. But yeah. then I ended up really liking it. I liked the freedom of it initially. Then I had to learn how to draw well, and I learned all these principles, and that was a better way for me to learn the principles that way than through how to emulate someone else's style. Cartoonist. Or... I want to know like the root of what makes it work, not, yeah. not just the surface of how other people made it work. Yeah, you know? how animation works. So yeah, specifically. Like, um, 
I love movement. That's something I've yeah. always loved. And and I think that's why animation appeals to me so much. I like, right. I like paintings with movement, like Duchamp, you know. Yeah. And uh, Turner, like all that stuff has movement and energy and life yeah. to it. And right. I'm drawn to anything like that. So Right. And then yeah. when you got out of high school, you tried to go to Cal Arts first, right? Yeah. Yeah, I went to apply, and they said take another year and do a lot more figure sketches. You know, like uh, they they said watch a sports game and watch sports, and you're like, and no. I was like, no, no, I don't want to watch sports. <laughs> um, no offense to sports lovers, I'm, I'm just not a sports guy. So, so yeah, I uh, ended up going to state college first, and I made a couple of films there just on my own. Yeah, and uh, then I applied to college, yeah. and they're like, uh, they were more receptive. So After <laughs> that, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I was so excited, too. It was very exciting. I know. Time. That's where you yeah. wanted. You talked about that when we were in high school. I mean, it's the, it's the premier animation school at well, the time, especially. Yeah. Now there's a lot more. But there's when I went, now, yeah. there was like maybe two. So there wasn't a lot of the schools. Yeah. So when yeah. I got in, I made films and focused on animation. But then we had other classes, too. Yeah. And uh, I, I liked it all. Now, you got into painting at one point. I mean, you were working in the back of a gallery, and you, you didn't want to give up the freedom of your own personal artwork to work for a studio. I went through a phase like that, for sure, because there was a lot for me to learn, and I part of me didn't want to assimilate to what I needed to learn to perform <laughs> as well as I, you know— do now because I did end up learning. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. when you when you first start, you might be inclined if you have a, a specific way of drawing or thinking, you don't want to abandon those things. So I took up uh, abstract painting as my outlet. I was learning a lot of uh, technique at the time. Not that I painted an abstract painting. I just wanted to like finger paint like I was when I was a yeah. kid. So just be free, you know. So that took the shape of what you would call an abstract painting. Yeah. But then the idea of doing them really large was really exciting to me. Like these big, you know, 56 by 56 inch canvases, you know, pretty good size. Yeah. And do whatever I wanted and, you know, create, destroy, create, destroy. Not precious about anything, but mm -hmm. just keeping my passion for moving things around visually, creating things good, bad, indifferent. It didn't matter. Yeah. And with that attitude or that spirit, I uh, I made a lot of paintings. And then I, I ended up, I was in the back of a gallery, sold a couple, which was kind of exciting, you know. But I didn't do it for money. Yeah. But then I kind of saw fine art world as a bit of a racket. And I thought, well, <laughs> I might as well do animation because I love that too. Right. I didn't want to have to think of a market that right. I had to accommodate. But with animation, it's different because you're storytelling and you have to think of your audience. At least I think you do. Yeah. In order to connect Right, yeah, totally makes and sense. And when I do abstract art, it's more like it's not to connect; it's to connect with myself, right? Or the self, or, you know, if, <laughs> if you're Jungian or whatever, you know, yeah. you get kind of more of a, uh, a primal kind of experience. Yeah. So I, I needed both of those to be functioning in me. So I, I guess when you ask me the question about how I started trying other things, I think there was a function in me that needed to retain the spirit of what drove me in the very first place when I was a kid. Yeah. Which was to to just start doing things with whatever tools I had in front of me. Yeah. And whether they're observations or objects or just free form, and I lean towards the free form. So, yeah, so, so yeah. you found value in not just doing one thing. You you felt like you had, there was two sides of you that needed to be fulfilled. That's a good way to put it. And I didn't know that at the time, of course. Yeah. It was therapy to me, like to have my own space. And I didn't come home yeah. saying, I need my creative space. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like that. It was just 
where I was just unhappy a little bit. Yeah. Like, and I'm not a fan of technical work. It's not something that drives me. And some artists are more technically oriented. Right. And I respect that. And I envy it a lot of the time because it was, yeah. I struggled with it more. But I have the other thing that works for me. You use the word master, and I don't know if I'll ever feel like a master, but I'll always reach for being a master at anything. I don't think anyone ever feels like a master. There was, um, oh, jeez, I can't remember who it was. Oh, it was uh, Rod Serling. He was in this classroom. I just saw this recently, and I'll probably misquote this, but he was asking the students something about like how they felt about their progress in class or whatnot. And one student said, at what point do you not feel like an amateur? And Rod Sterling says, you always feel like an amateur. Like You'll have moments where you feel like you accomplished it, but then you go back to being an amateur again. And I'll have to get that quote and actually quote it correctly. But yeah, because you're always learning and there's always something new around the corner that you have to accomplish or that you're challenged by. And so to call ourselves masters is probably incorrect. Uh, Masters is kind of like that ideal pinnacle of what we're doing to the point that we're always learning and we're always a student on some level. Always a student. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as your journey has been primarily in animation, you've been focused on since you were little. You eventually gave up the dream of being a freewheeling artist (laughs) and went into animation. And you've been doing that for how many years now? Um. 327. <laughs> it, uh, most of your adult life. <laughs> yeah, most of my adult life. It's It's been a while, yeah. you know. Oh, and I should mention, I um, there was a, a phase where I thought about being a, a piano player. Oh, you that's know, right, pianist. yeah. When I was in fourth grade, I saw someone play the piano, and I was like, yes, I want to do that. And I learned very quickly from this great teacher, and I practiced. I still remember everything you know, so you I did think, have another medium from a young age, really. I, I did. Yeah, and you know, creative outlet. I think one thing I learned from music is um, how much your body needs to learn the the movements right? of things. Yeah. You know, and then you can express yourself more freely once your body knows. Like my fingers knew where to go, yeah. and then I could be expressive right. with uh, the music. So there is something to be said for mastering, or whatever you want to call it. Understanding your medium and the techniques that you need to express yourself. So you don't have to be thinking about that, like, how do I manipulate this material or how do I play this piano? That once you get to that point, it does help to have mastered the medium to the extent that you don't have to think about how you're working it. Yeah, but I was really dedicated and driven to learn those things. I didn't know I was. I just did it. When you're yeah. a kid, you don't know I'm got to do this. It wasn't like that. It was just I would sit and I would just keep doing it until I got it. And then I came to a point where I would do, of course, do cartoons and I'd play the piano. This is like grammar school. Finally, I decided to stick with cartoons. Yeah. And we met. Yeah, when we met. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't talk to anyone about it, really. All this stuff. And you were the first person I would oh, talk to. Oh, you talked to me. <laughs> really? But you were the You, you were the person. about it all the time. Exactly. <laughs> You, oh, that's so weird. I Yeah, it was a very introverted thing for me, yeah. the whole process. I, I'd have other artist friends, and we would just show each other our work, but we wouldn't talk about our process or what we wanted to do. But and That's was, what you and I was, did all the time. We always have our entire mm-hmm. lives that we've known each other. So the only reason this conversation is happening is because <laughs> of you. <'cause>, well, not <laughs> because of me. Yeah. We were in drama class, and this really cute guy came up and started talking to me for no reason. 
And I was really super shy. And he's like, you want to do a skit together? I was like, okay. And so it's really your fault because you're the super well, cute guy well, that all the add, girls had a crush on. And I, this well, one guy came enough. up and talked to me. I, <laughs> I, I have shocked. to add that I was I, I was pretty shy myself and you made me comfortable. So I, I felt for whatever reason, I could just come up and just start talking to you. <laughs> And didn't you, didn't, shy you, didn't, to me. you didn't tell me, go away. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But anyway, so yeah, so you have actually been through quite a number of mediums. And in, you got into animation, that became your focus for a while through, like when your daughter was growing up. You didn't probably have a lot of time for something else, but you, yes. I mean, obviously it was your job. So you focused on that. But did you have other outlets during that time as well? I did abstract paintings on and off. Okay. And I would just fill my sketchbooks. But I had certain jobs at work where I had so much creative freedom to write and storyboard and compose and do the acting and that I spent all my creative energies completely laser focused on that like 24 7 but also you had that freedom that you were talking about in it in it, in I it. Have so the you didn't need yeah. necessarily feel the need to get it elsewhere I, exactly yeah and then that will dry it up you know after a long long run you know because culture changes and studios change and the at- creative atmosphere changed and they weren't as open to that for anybody I mean, it's there, but it's a little rarer right now, but it'll it'll cycle back. Because so, when you let artists do the work, you get better work if you let them do their thing. So we think. <laughs> yeah, so we, th- yeah, exactly. So the artists the ex- Executive yeah. sometimes, <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. not. <laughs> okay, so then like now you've been doing a lot of different things. And I think in part because Jen, at some point you'll probably either retire or pull out of the industry to some extent. And, never. And, and, yeah. and never. <laughs> no, at, at some point, yeah. So it seems like you've been looking at a lot of other mediums and some of them are new to you, but why all the different range of mediums? If, for instance, you're working with brush pens and regular pens, alcohol inks, and you work on Procreate on your iPad. And, yeah. you know, it just seems like you have a lot of sketching and drawing materials all over the place. Uh, yeah, and that I've been you're constantly using, doing. Been using brush pins for a long time, but I didn't ever realize those are just you know, duh. They're they're a brush, you know, like a paintbrush. <laughs> and I knew that intellectually, but I, I'm still using a marker, is what I thought. Yeah, just like a brush tip marker. So, what do all these additional mediums do for you that you're not getting in animation right now? Is it still the freedom thing, or is there something additional that you're getting out of it? It's a freedom. It's freedom, but it's also the sense that I could make with what I've learned over the years and how I've developed myself as an artist. I could do more what I call substantial, which is weird. I don't even know why I call it substantial. I'd like to see that playground with all the things that I know come into play. Mm-hmm. And I've been enjoying seeing like different things come out of me, yeah. like surprise myself, like, oh, I didn't know I would do that. And I did. <laughs> I know. And yeah. that, then I sometimes wonder, well, what is it for and what's its purpose? Like, well, who cares? Right. But it, I care. And yeah. it's how I spent my time. And it's not made to sell. So this is how I spend my time. Are you having moments where you're feeling like you should have an end goal with it or that it should be saleable or at least should have some kind of dedicated purpose? Sometimes. Do you think this idea that there should be a purpose in these other things that you do, do you think that comes from just working for the studios, having purposes and having goals and things? I mean, you're making a cartoon that's going to be sold, that's going to entertain people. And then at home, on your own time, you're making things for yourself. Do they seep into my own personal work? Yeah. Do you think the reason that you feel like there should be something more to what you're doing, you think, is it from that or is it, or is it societal? Because like for me, I feel like there's a bit of a societal 
pressure to be like, oh, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it going to be so you can sell it or so you can post it on Instagram or? There is an acknowledgement to selling something. You feel like it's valued. Right. And everyone wants their work valued. We all, as artists, we all want an audience, uh, whether you want an audience to make money or whether you want an audience just to be appreciated. Yeah. The way I see it is ideally it's not about a person's ego being stroked. It's more about the function of being an artist is letting the nature sort of flow through you. Feeling like being heard. It's like someone can sing. They just have this natural gift to sing. They have this beautiful voice. And you want to share that. And you want it to be acknowledged. Right, right. I think a great singer wouldn't be like, well, look at me. Look how great of a singer I am. It's more about, look at what this body can do. Just marveling at the, I don't know, to be, sound, I hope I don't sound corny, but to kind of marvel at the human experience, you know. Oh, like, I don't um, think that's corny at all. Well, no, because, I mean, isn't, that is what like, art wow. really is, you isn't know, we it? Can, we can do this. And I think the sharing is a really good point because, I mean, a lot of people feel the need to share. And since it's really hard to, like, get into a gallery or have a spotlight to sell your work, social media has kind of filled that for a lot of people. And they do get to share. Yeah, you get to publish yourself now. Basically, yeah, <laughs> which crazy. is which is good and it has its downsides too. But yeah, we do have an intense need to share what we're doing because it is a form of communication. Even if you do it for yourself, you do something and you get excited and you're happy about it, you usually want to share it with somebody. Yeah, It's not like, look at me, look what I can do, but look, I'm so happy with this. Share this happiness with me. Is that is that how yeah. you see it? Let me share this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how I see it. Yeah. And you want people to like it too. You're, you're, of course. You're, everyone has an ego. They want to yeah. feel like they acknowledge it. When I ever am in a head like that, I, I don't feel like that's the best form. I it think kind of the, takes away from unselfconsciousness yeah. of creating art when you're thinking about what are other people going to think. Yeah. Let's kind of get back to the medium idea. So there's this thing like I mentioned earlier, that we feel like we should master one thing. And yet most people I know who are creatives have multiple outlets. They do more than one thing. Oh, curious souls. I know, right? So curious. (laughs) (laughs) So I think even if some business-focused person is going to tell you, master one thing, focus on that, sell that, push that so you're known for it, And that's how you're going to be successful monetarily, probably. And success, Mm -hmm. there's all different ways of measuring success and how it's measured for you is completely up to you. So we hear this thing about we should just stick to one thing. But I think considering I don't I can't think of a creative out there that I personally know that only does one thing. So there must be an imperative for us to explore more things as artists because of curiosity, which is a primary definition for an artist. Artists are curious and they're out there exploring through curiosity. That's what makes them artists rather than just craftspeople. What do you think for you are the benefits of having multiple mediums or multiple modes of creative expression? Variety. Yeah. For the for the fun of it, really. So I do have some points that were brought up by different people online discussing this. One of the things that's often mentioned is the fact that if you have more than one thing that you're doing, it keeps you from getting into a rut or feeling like you're kind of just stuck on that, you know, one track and that you have, like you said, variety. I don't know. It's like if you ate like Mexican food every night, uh, you know, you'd start to have a taste for something else. Yeah, yeah, you you get a little tired of Mexican food. Get a little tired of Mexican food. So um, Who's going to get tired of Mexican food? I know Mexican food's the best. I could have it every night. (laughs) Bad bad example. Um, (laughs) Porridge. But, you know, if you have porridge every night, 
then, uh, yeah. But that's that's what it is. I think you want to do things in different ways, yeah. uh, use your, your mind differently. And I think if you are curious and you're a curious artist, sticking with one thing isn't going to allow your curiosity to really be fed. I mean, one of the reasons that I do all the things I do is because I have an insatiable curiosity and I'm always looking for new things. And it doesn't matter what level of curiosity you have. If your curiosity doesn't have things to seek out and wonder about, it's going to be sad. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it could get (laughs) more. But if there's not an inclination to do that, like how we do anything is how we do everything, right? So whatever we're focused on, we can learn within that, if you want to just focus on that one thing. Right. But if you want to keep that, from that's feeling... That's okay, too, is all I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. It, right. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with sticking with one thing. Yeah. And I have had, you know, people mention to me they think they're one-trick ponies. I think whatever makes you happy and whatever makes you satisfied and fulfilled, that's what really you should be doing. I mean, yeah. But yeah, if if you have a variety of things, it's going to be hard to get into a rut because you can always move to something else and feel like your creative energy has been refreshed. Your imagination is is uh-huh. being challenged. And then another thing that's brought up quite often is having multiple things gives you options for visual expression or creative expression. If you have some things that don't fit into one medium, some things that you want to create some ideas and they don't work so well in one medium, then you can use another medium to express those same things. And it allows you to either make stuff for yourself, to mix your mediums um, or have a sideline medium or a sideline type of art. It just allows you to inform your primary work with these sideline items that get your brain going down different tracks and allows it to see things differently. And that kind of brings it to another point that people brought up, refreshing your creativity by stretching your brain. Because again, like we're talking with the curiosity, we need to challenge our brain constantly to keep it limber and keep ideas flowing as well. And then bringing in inspiration from other mediums into your primary work. Like when I was doing the the blog for the Polymer Arts, the weekly Polymer Arts blog, I was doing it three times a week at one point, and on Fridays, I always did artwork that was not polymer art. Yes, you're very passionate about your particular art form, and you want to look at what other people are doing to get ideas or whatnot, but it's all design, so you can look at another medium or even a completely different form and seeing what people are doing, what people are talking about, and instead of just sticking in your one medium, because all of our Mediums or our areas of art will tend to have trends. And if you're exposed to a lot of the trends, you may mm. not be able to break out or break away from them so readily. But look at other areas. You know, what are other people doing? What are other mediums doing? What are other forms of creativity doing? And that could help stretch your ideas within your primary medium. And then also working in different mediums can force you to see your work and your medium in a new way, because you won't always see it from kind of like a a limited point of view. Like if I only worked in polymer clay and I didn't do all these other things, I would always think of things three-dimensional and think in terms of construction, because polymer is very much about construction. You design it and then you make the pieces and then you put them together for a, a lot of the forms. And if I didn't also do photography and painting and stuff, I don't think I would pay attention to the composition as much as I do or to the design elements of color and subtlety. And And like the principles of of art in a way. Yeah, a lot of them would have been. Express themselves in different mediums. Yeah, I think they get lost in the technique a lot of times. Polymer is just like you can do so many things and you can just get lost in that. Yeah. All those, (laughs) those options. So I love the fact that I can go to something else, like go to my photography and I do ICM, intentional camera movement, 
and see things in terms of movement that I wouldn't see in polymer because I'm out in a world where everything is alive and moving. Yeah, and you bring that to your polymer work when you do it. Right, exactly. It's all cross-pollinating. Right. So do you see in what you've been doing, especially now you've been really, really delving into the alcohol inks and the brush markers as brushes. (laughs) Yeah, actual brushes. As actual brushes. Are you seeing that inform your work when you're going to the studios and working on the cartoons? And you're on, um, by the way, if people want to know, you're working on The Patrick Show. Yeah. That's the this, project you're on now. Yeah, it's the Nickelodeon. Sponge, it's the SpongeBob spinoff. Yeah, Nickelodeon. I would say yes. I think they cross-pollinate each other. I get to use my passion for, for making things in different ways, not just one way. At work, there's a specific goal that I have. And also thinking out of the box and having fun there. You you know, you need to do that as well with ideas oh, and with the writing. Yeah. So, so when I come home and do something totally different, it gives me like a little vacation from the pressures of doing that. And you as a director, you don't do quite as much of the creative work anymore as you used to. You kind of herd cats. <laughs> herding cats, that's funny. You have a team of different people yes, who work who on do, different levels. Who, it's storyboard work, so yeah. uh, who work on that stuff. And I do get my hands in it a lot. But yeah, I don't do the storyboard itself from the beginning, but yeah. I guide it because I know it so well that I can help. The medium, yeah. I'm a helper. <laughs> but you come home and you do the creative work. Do you think that allows you to connect with your storyboard artists and your, what do you call them, your punch-up artists and yeah. all these people? Now, they need to have more freedom. They need to have more breadth to what they're doing. And is what you do, is that something you can bring to them and help them create more fluidly and with more freedom? And is this, because this show is a very loosey-goosey show. Yeah, it's very, it's a <laughs> and very they cartoony, probably need that. fun-spirited show. and. I think everyone who likes the spirit of uh, the randomness of a cartoon like this should be able to express themselves. I like to honor an artist's sort of approach on something, as long as it doesn't go off the rails and doesn't make sense. Yeah. I don't get into this role to tell people what to do. No. It's more like nurturing and bringing out the best, because that's what I wanted. And I had that opportunity from a lot of directors that I worked with. They let me grow as an artist, and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. Then the things that you do here at home the things where you give yourself that freedom, does that translate to how you teach and direct your team? I think it plays a role because I'm engaged in the creative process of my own and I feel what they're potentially feeling, which is, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's great. So it gives you more empathy for people. They're in a learning phase that you're already, you've been through. Yeah. And I, I know that you're always starting over, like Rod Serling said, you always feel like an amateur and people have this like imposter syndrome that they talk about right? all the time yeah, these days. And thing. I'm like, you know, you, if you love to do it, do it and develop your ability at doing it. And there's no imposter, like you just, you do it or you don't, uh, unless you just copy someone else's work, then yeah. you are kind of an imposter because you're not really <laughs> drawing from anything within yourself. Right. So yeah, so it's great that you're able to kind of be in that position yourself and have an understanding of what they're going through because you come home and be like, I don't know how to use alcohol inks. I, I didn't even know these markers were brushes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it a weird thing that we think that way, where we have to think about whether we're real artists or not? Because like you said, and I really appreciate that outlook, is that it's not whether we're real artists or not. That's not what this is about. We're doing this because we have to do it. Yeah. We're doing it because we have to explore, because we are curious, because we want to go find out. 
but a child doesn't go, I am a particular type of child because I'm curious. I'm just a child and I'm curious. <laughs> That's yeah, what period. I do. <laughs> yeah. And you apply that curiosity to the things that you want to apply it to. Right. Yeah. And so if a child's curious about this dog right here, then they're, you know, curious about the dog, but they don't think I'm a veterinarian type yeah. person <laughs> or I'm a real animal person. You know, I just like dogs and I'm going to go outside and, and figure out why the grass is green and yeah. why the sky is blue. <laughs> it's all really fascinating. Yeah. Like, you don't just take something for granted. But in a way, maybe we should be taking it for granted that we are artists and we're just going to make things and we don't need to be labeled as real artists. You go out and yeah. you make things and who cares about the label? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you have to be happy with what you're doing, not even regardless of a label, outside of it. Labeling is a shorthand. It's a way for us to communicate in yeah. very succinctly, but... But very clumsily. Yeah, <laughs> it, can, it, it can lead to misunderstanding or misinterpretation of what yeah. it is that we're trying to discuss or put forth. So we started out, obviously, with a bias towards you don't need to master one thing. I don't think that's changed to our conversation here. But for those of you listening, you may need to decide, do you feel fulfilled and happy and still curious, sticking with more or less one thing. And if that's true, then there's really no reason for you to expand beyond that. And if you're like me on the other end of the spectrum, pretty much, and you do, I don't know, how many things am I doing right now? I can't, I've always lose, always lose count. I, I'm seriously doing photography. I'm seriously doing poetry. I'm seriously doing novels. I'm seriously doing acrylic and polymer on stone tiles. And, <laughs> and podcast. I'm, and I'm seriously doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, I've also been interviewed twice this week and I'm always trying to help out other people with what they're doing. So yeah, that can get a little crazy. I do have to say. And I think if you're struggling with the idea of whether you should be narrowing down your interests, I would say don't narrow down your interests, but maybe you should have priorities. So that's what I've decided. I'm going to prioritize my novels because I've been writing them for two and a half years now. Uh, well, one of them actually technically I've been writing for like 12 years now. And my acrylic and polymer work on stone tile because honestly, I'm just obsessed with it right now. And I also don't know it as well as the other things that I do. So I feel like that's where I need to learn the most. So those are the things I've prioritized. And so that's why if any of you are followers of my personal page, Sage Brave Aaron, I haven't posted in probably almost a month, but that is because it's primarily photography and poetry. But I've kind of set that aside for right now. I think you just combine all of these things into one. Oh, I actually have an idea for that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? But what I'm saying is that if you have a lot of different interests, maybe you prioritize a few and you don't worry about the rest. Like I'm never planning on making money off my poetry, for instance. I've been writing poetry my entire life and it's just something that I do. I do it for me. I like to share it. I like the little tidbits that I put out there and people are like, oh, I know what you mean. It connects to me, you know, and I do want to put my collection out someday, but it's not a priority. It'll happen when there's space for it to happen. But I think if you are struggling because you like to do a lot of different things, pick one or two priorities and make those the things that you regularly schedule into your week to make sure that you get to that. And then the other stuff is fun stuff, right? Like we go hiking and drives in your convertible or we go to a museum or whatnot. And those are things that aren't something that we expect an outcome from. Like we don't go hike in order to make money or in order to have a product at the end of it. We go yeah. to enjoy it. So those other things that we do that may not be our priority are the things that we go and we enjoy. 
I will go enjoy writing my poetry. I will go enjoy doing my photography, which still works its way into other stuff. But I'm not going to worry about what's my end product or what's my end goal with those particular interests. Goals, goals, goals. Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't have to have any end goals for those interests, just like you don't have any end goals when you go for a hike or you hang out with friends or anything. It's because you enjoy it. And that is the goal. So that's my advice is that if you do have something that you love so much, it's all you want to do, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you have a lot of different interests, pick some priorities so that you're not driving yourself crazy. And then just enjoy doing the other things when you work that time in. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, do what you love. It's like swimming. If you jump in a pool and you find yourself really enjoying it and you just keep wanting to swim and just hang out in there, then do just it. Just go out and turn it into just, a prune. Just, just, it's fine. Prune it up and, and get burnt. And yeah. <laughs> oh, the metaphors. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story about your different mediums and how that has helped you and worked into the various things that you do with your career. And if you, my listeners, have your own little stories, we would love to hear them. I would love to hear them. Maybe I shouldn't speak for Brett. <laughs> uh, I'd love. To I hear, would love to hear them. Right? Yeah, I love cool. other people's stories. Oh, we I go love out talking with, about this stuff. Yeah, we go out with artistic and creative friends and we listen to their stories and, and try to pull out little stories from them all the time. Yeah. So that's kind of a thing. But if you are interested in sharing them, I'd love to share stories. I'd love to hear them. You can write me through the contact page at thesagearts.com. You can also reach out on the social media pages, on Facebook and Instagram under the Sage Arts Podcast. You can send me messages there or make comments in the posts. And if you want to give back to this project, you can do that on the homepage of thesagearts.com. Just scroll down and you'll see buttons for Buy Me a Coffee and PayPal that you can give donations through. And all of these links are also available in the show notes on the podcast player that you're listening to this through. And if you are listening through one of the podcast players like Apple or Spotify or Google, go ahead and hit the follow button so you'll always be notified when the next episode is up. And it also helps with my ratings as far as where we land in the searches so we can get more artists to join us on this conversation. That being said, Brett and I are going to go off and, I don't know. Walk the dogs, eat some food. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Guzzle whiskey. I don't know. What are we going to do? Not whiskey. No, not whiskey. You hate whiskey. (laughs) We're going to go and be curious. Yeah. That's what we're going to go do. Going to go tend the garden. (laughs) Garden of imagination. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it is getting late. So... (laughs) Well, thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Sage Arts Podcast. That was fun. Right? So, Brett, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Great. I felt so official, like an actual guest. I know. You actually got to be a guest this time. It's, I don't know. (laughs) I'm always just sit there and listen to me talk. Yeah. (laughs) I like it to be about us and our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's good. It's, you know, you never know what's going to come And I always have so much to say. Yes, you do. And in a good way. I do. Well, all of you out there, thank you so much for joining us. Do remember to feed your muse, get out there, be curious, be true to your weirdness, and join me next time on the Sage Arts Podcast.